All right, Vinny Fisher here with another episode of Total CEO. All right, everybody, you know, we sit and talk a lot about, you know, businesses because we're business owners, right? That's the whole basis of Total CEO is to kind of dig and get a guest or uh, a topic and work through the dynamics in our company. Well, I can think of no better topic for business owners to talk about than selling your business. Is it sellable? Are you capable of selling it? You know, I say a lot, and I say it all the time, in five years from now, if you don't want to buy the business from yourself, why would you be arrogant enough to believe anyone else would buy it? Well, with that great little dig at your company, and mine too, I have a guest on the show, David Barnett. David, thanks for being with us today. Hey, Vinny, thanks for having me on. It's always a lot of fun to do this. So the world wants to know, do you want to be called Dave, Davey, David, what do you like? Either, either, you know, it really doesn't matter. You know, with a name like David, you get called a lot of things through life, but everything other than David, right? Dave or David is probably what works. Okay, cool. (laughs) Well, we'll stick with David since that's what you seem to hold yourself as. Is that cool? Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, David, you own uh, a business and you have a lot of books and your big thing, I just want to frame this for the audience and I want you to introduce yourself, is you really help businesses sell properly. Whether that is they do it themselves, you bring your team in and help tune them up. But regardless, at the end of the day, it's about selling a business for its best inherent value that sits there, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, for most people, it's, you know, a lot of people out there who talk about selling businesses, they talk a lot about the price. But the fact of the matter is that four of the five top reasons businesses go up for sale have nothing to do with the owner wanting to sell it's a change in personal circumstances and they need to sell. Mm. And suddenly it becomes more, in fact, about time. How can we get a good, as good a deal as we can within a quick time frame? Because some of those personal reasons are putting pressure on the owner. Like divorce, family dynamic, cash yeah. flow, you know, things that are outside intervening forces that have caused them to look at fire selling the business, right? Yeah, retirement is the one everyone thinks about, but retirement is the only one people plan for. Yeah. Well, most of the time, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. But, but you know, the top five reasons that I've seen are the ones that you mentioned: divorce, poor health, the need to relocate, burnout is a bigger and bigger one. Especially people that aren't organized well in their business, they're trying to run everything in their head. They end up burned out, and then all of a sudden, the passion is lost in the business. And when the owner loses passion in the business, then all of a sudden customer calls aren't returned, you know, behaviors start to change, employees start to mm. notice that there isn't as much drive there. And that slow fade just starts to happen, right? Yeah. Next thing you know, uh, here we are, we have a business that not only are you miserable, but you and nobody else wants, right? And they just want to watch it die. So wait, before we go farther, David Barnett, how to sell my own business.com. I want you to introduce yourself a little bit so everyone knows a little context about you and the awesomeness you bring to this idea of business valuation and, and what we can do to improve that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've always been a business guy. I've always been interested in business. You know, when I was a teenager and a child, I had all those childhood businesses that people have. And when I got out of university, I I got that first job and I was really lucky. It was back in the nineties and I got a job uh, in advertising sales for a yellow pages publisher. And my heart was always in small business and as a sales guy for the Yellow Pages back in the 90s, I got to go out and meet and talk with all these small business owners back when Yellow Pages was a really relevant media, right? So, David, I got to tell you this great story. So, okay. 
the other day I was um, out goofing off in the yard or whatever, and uh, some local guy put a bag with a book in it at the bottom of our mailbox. And I had my little one, Elizabeth, go and grab it. And she's like, Dad, what is this? And I'm like, well, that would be referred to as a phone book, honey. And she's like, what do you do with that? And so it's just funny. It ages you and I about how relevant these yellow page things are. And so, Well, it's, it's interesting because one of the reasons I got out of yellow pages was because I knew the writing was on the wall, that, right. that this thing was eventually going to fall off and, and be less important. But I spent seven years there talking face to face with small business owners and managers and asking them, you know, when the phone rings, who do you want to be on the other end of the line? Right. And so I got to learn about these different business models. I got to appreciate all these different ways people have of making money. And I eventually left that industry and I started a business with a partner and I ran it for a year and a half and I sold that business and I started another one. And eventually ended up doing finance brokerage where I was helping people get loans, leases, capital leases, factory facility, this kind of thing. And I ran into that financial crisis of 07, 08. And a lot of the different companies that I was sourcing capital from ended up going out of business during that financial crisis. Because the banks tightened everything down. It was impossible to do that job, right? Yeah. And a lot of the people that, I mean, I was dealing with people who had been told no by most banks. And so yeah. I was using sort of the B level guys and they were selling yeah. paper on wall street. And then all of a sudden nobody wanted to buy that paper. Right. Yeah. So well, there's no, like there was no funds to buy the paper. I mean, it was ridiculous that time. Uh, it's a good thing you made it through. I mean, that was a tough time. Well, in the lead up to that, what I noticed was people kept coming to me looking for money for acquisitions. They wanted mm-hmm. to buy businesses. And I saw that, people who had no idea how to run a business or how to buy or sell a business were putting these deals together. People like real estate agents, um, some other more professional type people, but they still didn't know how to put a deal together. And when I realized there was this gap in my, in my local market, I said, you know what, I need to help people with this because I know a little bit about it. I eventually ended up joining up with one of the international business brokerage brands, franchise brand. And the reason why I chose them is because they gave me access to training. So I actually became one of the first certified guys in my neck of the woods in buying and selling businesses. Wow. And okay, I ran great. A, so that's now that gray hair and all that wisdom is going to kick in here. So, well, all, right. all the gray hair comes from those years. And so let me ask you a question because I'm going to, I'm going to jump right leapfrog at that. So sure. obvious big expert, get it. Uh, you learn a ton about the dynamics of these factors uh, you know, because here at Fully Accountable, we, we've realized that seven out of 10 factors have almost nothing to do with marketing and efforts and have to do with all these other things that you know, right? And so I want to ask you a question. A biz, I think most of our audience will go, all right, cool. You know what? I'm kind of, I, I got into the business. One of the options was to sell it. So let's reverse that. I want to ask you a question. Like if that's true, and most of the owners, including you and I, dream of these ideas of, of selling and starting, selling and starting, buying and selling, all this uh, beauty around business acquisition and sales. What do you find is the biggest thing messed up uh, when you first have contact with the uh, business owner? Uh, it's their, their romantic idea that wow. the pain that they went through when they started the business is something that a buyer wants to be a part of. So most- I, I love that because you know, my wife totally forgot the pain of childbirth as our kids were getting old. And she has romanticized <laughs> the early years of our four children. Like, it's amazing. I'm like, 
do you remember the no sleep we got? And so uh, keep going on this. This is amazing. So you're saying that what I heard was we, we look back and change the outlook of what we really went through. We've romanticized it. Well, well, no, what, what happens okay. is, is that people remember that they worked for three year three years with no pay trying to build the business. And oh, okay. And they think that a buyer wants to come along and work for three years with no pay. You mean you don't to want to work for no pay? Right. <sighs> and so I, and, and, and what ends up happening is you get these overpriced businesses. Mm. And when you ask the owner, how exactly is someone supposed to buy that? If they borrow three quarters of the money, there isn't enough cash flow there to pay the bank. Right. right? And, and let alone take money home to feed the kids and the wife and everybody. Right. right. And so when you start to, to say, look, nobody's going to pay money to come in and deal with all the stress of business ownership and have no reward. Buyers pay for goodwill. It's quite literally, Vinny, a payment to avoid the pain of startup. That's what goodwill is. That's why buyers are willing to pay right, for Right, right. The going concern, right? We, we, I'm a lawyer, right? And I run a company called Fully Accountable. And, you know, our whole mission here is we equip accounting professionals with all of these tools to be better at their practice and grow and scale and all that wonderful stuff. And I'll tell you, I, I'm going to have to have you around more talking to them because <laughs> we use these terms in legal places and in accounting places, a going concern, something that's running. And it shocks me, entrepreneur world. And I want you to hear David Burnett, uh, Barnett, sorry, David, yeah. David Barnett, how to sell your own business.com. Check him out because what he's talking to you about. How to sell my own business. Oh, sorry. Well, I like that one too. Well, we have to go get that domain now too, David. How to sell my own business.com. Thank you for correcting me. No problem. And we'll have our video editors even correct me more. But so you can see that in the link in our show here and, and we'll have that for everybody. But what's what I think everyone needs to hear, what I just heard from him is it is way more attractive to have an operating business than to stop that one and go create another one. Everyone is far more compelling for someone else to take your momentum and run with it. So I love where we're going with this. Now, how long does it take you to get them off the, uh, man, I've walked uphill both ways in the snow. You can do it too. How quickly do you get them off that? It depends on what the motivations are. All right. So, so to give you an idea, back when I was a broker and even today, now that, now that I'm not a broker, that I work as a consultant with people, um, I'll get these sellers who say, you know, I want to sell. And my immediate retort to I want to sell is why do you need to sell? Mm. Because here's the truth is that those valuations you hear about where companies have an idea on the back of a napkin and it sells for a hundred million dollars in Silicon Valley. Unicorn. That's, that's, that's like a, a baseball player hitting a new record for about it. it it's going to happen, but it's just really rare. Yeah, right? it's a uni- well, it's actually you're probably closer to a unicorn. You're better off thinking that way, to be honest with well, you. I mean, it's just, the reality is 99.9% of businesses don't build like that, right? Yeah. And so most businesses sell for a multiple of earnings, and that multiple tends to be quite low because buyers are buying some a risky asset, a business. You know, you buy yourself an apartment building, and with paint and proper maintenance, it should last 100 years, right? You buy yourself a small business, a, a legislative change two years down the road can put you out of business. Well, 94% of companies don't make it till the 10th year. Right. So that should tell you something right there, right? I, I can tell you about countless restaurateurs who created perfect meals, gave great customer service, and were put out of business by things like sewer line replacements on their street. 
right? Forces completely outside of your control yeah. but it can put a business under. So and what, so what do you find to be like one of the, some of the more popular answers of why you need to sell? It, the, the reason people need to sell is burnout and a complete lack of interest. That's Are they able to say that to you or do they say that another way? Like, is it like, you no, know, they, I just they, don't feel passionate about this anymore. They, they say that kind of stuff, Vinny. They say, I don't feel the passion. I feel like I need something new. And then I'll, I'll cut to the chase with a question like this. When your phone rings, who are you more afraid of? Your employees or your customers? Mm. And they'll just, the eyes will open and they'll go, oh my goodness, he's seen behind my mask, you know? Did he talk to my wife? How does he know this? <laughs> because that's the point you get to. You get so yeah. sick and tired of it that you just don't want to deal with it anymore. Right. And then your phone rings at 7.30 at night and you're like, oh no, is it, is it the guy who works at night or is it a customer calling to complain? And, and you, know, you, you're, you know, you feel that knot in your stomach. Mm. You can't be in the business when you feel that way. You've got to get out. The, the other things more and more common is relocation. So business owner has a spouse and the spouse is a really high pay, highly paid professional, like yep. military officer, surgeon, university professor, that kind of thing. And they get an opportunity to, to move. And the other spouse who has the business, they put it up for sale because they want to stay together as a couple. That's becoming more and more common. Um, and then, of course, you know, your divorce and your poor health. Uh, divorce, especially when both of the members of the couple work together in the business. I've had clients before where, where one of the spouses will move out of the house and get their own apartment and then they meet each other every morning at work. I, I tell you, I, you know, in my law practice, I ran into that a lot. And, you know, we have uh, even clients here where we have to deal with unique complexities like that. And um, even in the uh, advisory practice, we, we have a, a few accounting firms where the husband and wife, well, ex-husband and wife are still business partners. And that's, that is not a unicorn. That's very alive and well here in North America. Yeah. And, and people don't want to be there. Like yeah. they want to move on to the next chapter in their life. And, and you can understand that. So, so these are the reasons why people need to sell because if they don't need to sell, here's, here's what ends up happening. When I go through evaluation and I show somebody, you know, your business earns you earns a hundred grand a year for you or 200 grand a year. And I think we can probably sell it for half a million to 600. Yeah. And they look at me and they go, geez, if I just stay here for three more years, I'll have the same money. I'm like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Then stay here. And so if they don't need to do it, they don't because it makes far more sense just to stay there. And so then when, when that's awesome. So I really want to like slow down on that point. So lots of us are wanting to sell our business because we're, I guess we'll call it burned out. We're annoyed. We've broken it in some way or fashion. But if we realize that the cash that might come out from an outside buyer isn't that attractive to us, then the real issue is to turn around and focus on the structure and process of the business and make it more attractive. And so if that's true, which I imagine you're going to say it is, then where do you, once the light bulb kicks on, okay, the light bulb's kicking on for me. I got to fix parts of fully accountable before I can sell it. Where do you mm -hmm. start? You have to start with, you know, and, and okay, this gets to another whole topic, Vinny, but I used to coach people and try to tell people what they had to do to make their business more saleable. Uh -huh. And no one ever wanted to do those things until. Well, why, why, why should I eat better if I really want to feel better or lose weight? I mean, can't you just give me a magic pill to do that? Exactly. And th that's what people want. So, so until I learned this really great thing and it goes all the way back to my yellow page days, cause I had this sales trainer who, who said that everyone's really listening to W I I F M, which is what's in it for me. Right. Mm. And so I began by saying, let's, pre let's preface this entire process by asking one question. What's your life look like in 10 years? 
How many weeks of vacation do you take? What kind of earnings do you have? All these, and I, and I get them to describe their lives in 10 years time the way they want it to be. And then I'll say, great. Now, what does the business look like that generates this kind of lifestyle for you? And if you are not willing to put in the work to create the processes and the systems and the tools and the job descriptions and the workflows and all that kind of stuff, then 10 years from now, you'll just have the life you have today. Now, do you, uh, oops, just kick something there. Sorry about that. Now, Um, do you, so you have two parts. You kind of show people in your practice how they can do this themselves. Now, do you also have a process where you'll come in and do that with them and part of your consulting or does it all show them how to do it? I, I have, um, I have like workshops that I do live and I also have an online course where I show people how to go through that process. And then for people who want to, they can engage with me to work with them just to hold their hand through the process. Hold them accountable and do the work, right? So the best way to start with you, David, is to go howtosellmyownbusiness.com and start the journey there with you. Yeah. And if they go there, they'll learn all about how I help people sell businesses. And then there's also a little tab for the blog. And on the blog, there's articles about buying, selling, managing, organizing. Cool. Everything is over there. Have you learned like the, like the, because we have something internal. And by the way, audience, I'm happy to share it with you. We've kind of like got 10 things that are business valuation killers. Uh, get these things done. Have you kind of developed your own list of that? It's probably very similar to ours. Like, um, yeah, there's, there's a free ebook on how to sell my own business.com and it's the 12 things to do before you consider nice. selling your business. Love it. All right, everybody, and did you hear that? Go opt in. Yes, give David your email. Because this is <laughs> awesome stuff. And get the 12 things you should do before you even engage in this idea of romantically selling your business. Because I'll tell you, here at Fully Accountable, we see the numbers all the time. We see the lack of employment agreements. We see the lack of process, control of your intellectual property, all these things that actually stifle real valuation. So David's got this great list. I bet it's awesome. I know this. I'm gonna, I only have 10, so I'm intrigued to find out what the other two are. So I'm going to be <laughs> downloading that list myself, David. Well, right, and switch, and what, I, what I did when I made that list is at the end of every section of concern, there's what you can do if you want to sell within 12 months and what you can do if you have more. Time. Okay. So okay. It, it, longer horizon versus shorter, but, but the one real big showstopper that it blows my mind that people don't know this when they own a business is that most people don't understand what the terms of sale are likely going to be. Yeah. Isn't that so amazing? There's, there's what you're going to sell your business for. And then there's how much of that you get on closing day, which is a different story altogether. And what do you mean? Some, I don't get a check. No, no, you don't. Right. It, it, in, most people's minds like, what do you mean? I thought I was walking away from this thing. I'm like, well, what valuation do you want to recognize that at? I'll write you a check if you want to recognize a substantial discount. Right there, that's the showstopper. We notice a lot of time. I don't know where you hit your showstopper button, but ours usually hits right on cash on the barrelhead versus earn out. Right, yeah. right there is where we see most of uh, resistance. I don't, I don't know if experiencing your practice, that's we see a lot of it there. Well, you know, part of it is is you know, I advise people that when you use a proper intermediary or an advisor, when you want to sell a business or, or when you want to buy a business, one of the most important things is setting expectations in the minds of the participants. So if a seller goes to someone who doesn't really know how businesses are sold and gets their help, yeah. and they're not warned that you will probably have to get part of your money over time. What ends up happening is they hit that showstopper moment that you just said they go, oh my God, no, I'm not going to finance this guy. I want all my money right now. And 
in, you know, I owned my business brokerage for three years. I sold 36 companies in three years. Nice. Only one of them was a cash deal and it was a money losing business. The price was basically the price of inventory and equipment. Every other deal that was done, the vendors carried some part of the financing. I once actually went through a stretch of almost a year where I did nine deals with no banks involved at all. Yeah, I'll tell you, I mean, I, in my law practice, when we did a lot of this work and if you want maximum dollar and you're willing to play banker, you're going to get some terms that are attractive to you. But I'll tell you, man, the entrepreneur is risky of a idea of creating your own business and lonely and work and all that stuff. You start talking about taking terms for somebody else and the risk adversity kicks in like immediately. So what do you do to help them overcome that? Well, you help them prepare. So number one, you know, structuring the business so that you have more than one option of getting out. Uh, I'm working with someone right now who, you know, the performance of their business hasn't been that great. And the business doesn't have a lot of value, but the business owns the building. Okay. Nice. And so what I'm doing is I'm coaching them that they don't have to go out and find someone to buy their business who's also going to buy the building. In fact, a poorly performing business is going to be hard for that buyer to get financing and so I'm showing them, for example, that they can divide the two assets so they can sell the business as an operating concern to someone and get that person to sign a lease and become their tenant. And then it's very easy, for example, to find an investor who wants to buy the building and collect rent. Yeah. So Separate by, the assets. Yeah. By having an understanding of what it is you do and, and the different ways of getting out of it, you can create multiple pathways for yourself. Love it. You know, it, it, the, the lower the down payment you can possibly uh, have, the more potential buyers will be out there for you. And yeah, because the they'll finance will. it as long as it's going to work, right? Yeah. So, you know, I've seen, I've seen this. It comes and goes in waves, right? And that, that's an indicator of length of time in the business marketplace. But I've seen auctions. What are your thought processes when a seller says, you know what I want to do? I want to bring this into the auction environment to really maximize my value. What do you think about that? It's, it's an attempt by a seller to overcome the compulsion. When, when a buyer goes out and starts talking with business owners because they want to buy a business, they're demonstrating compulsion. So the yeah. sellers go, wow, you know, I got this guy on the line. He really wants my business. When a seller decides they need to sell their business and they go to a broker or someone, it's they who are demonstrating compulsion. And whoever's under the greater compulsion is going to have the price move against them. Absolutely. So, when I was a broker, I would tell business owners, look, sell your business with me because I'm going to maybe find more than one buyer. We'll get a competitive situation going on and that will help offset my fee and help offset your compulsion as a seller. There is a scam in the world of business brokerage where there are consultants who say that they specialize in creating these auction environments, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And one of the things you have to watch out for is the big fee. So... So I've run across many times people who've paid 15, 20 grand to a firm in order to prepare their business for an auction type setting that never, ever really works out. That whole business is geared around collecting the fees, yeah. not actually auctioning the businesses. Yep. And so, you know, if you have a gas station in a community with a lot of incoming immigrants, an auction may work well, Right. <laughs> Because you know there's going to be a big field of people that want that kind right, of business. Right, right. But if you're the only injection molding facility in one quarter of a state, you know, it, it's going to be a the lot of work right? yeah. to find one party 
that wants to come in and acquire you, right? All right, so let's switch gears a little bit. Now, we're talking about how to sell my own business.com with David Barnett. So, David, I also love on this show when we get in looking at our own businesses, right? So, mm-hmm. I can list you the five things I need to work on right now at Fully Accountable. And so, um, what's the, as the leader of your own company, what's the hardest, uh, what's the biggest challenge you're working on right now? The, the biggest challenge for me is always the same thing. It's because at the heart of what I do, it's consulting, which means okay. selling my own time. It's how do I then leverage my, my growing experience in, in new and different ways so that I can earn money without spending more of my own time. And so the pattern that I follow in my business is when the same things keep coming up, I develop usually live workshops about the topic. And I go out and I do the live workshop in front of people a few times and it helps me get immediate feedback because I can watch their faces. You can iterate as you go right in front of them, right? And then I tweak and tweak and tweak. And then when I feel like I've got a good product together, what I then do is I put together uh, an online course. Cool. And then that helps me leverage myself. So at, Well, there's proof to that because you've got seven books. Three of them are Amazon bestsellers. You, yeah. Your blog's littered with courses. and I mean, in a good way. I'm not being negative about that. So you obviously take this live iteration. So that seems to be a challenge that's a daily wash through for you and you're working on it. What are, um, what's a challenge that uh, like you really need to work on that you aren't doing as good of a job working on right now? Yeah, it's, it's, it's one that a lot of entrepreneurs face. It's knowing when to let go of a task. Mm. Like most entrepreneurs, I have a certain way of doing things and, and, uh, it's hard to accept that done may be sometimes better than perfect, you know? Yeah. So, so, uh, my, I, a friend of mine, I and garlic, I'll give him a shout out here. He says version done is better than version perfect. Right. So <laughs> I just get it out there. Let the consumer tell you. So Boy, man, I tell you, all of us who really put stuff out there in education space and help people and use that in lead gen to consulting or whatever, man, it's that perfection is the real enemy. Like it's, I agree. I really appreciate you saying that because we, you are right. You are not the only one who's uh, on a daily basis struggling. You know, it's it, it's funny. I've got a story, just a quick story to tell you. Um, a year ago, I started writing a new book and it was about business financing. And I started by writing this chapter on how to borrow money from business brokers because oh. there's a certain technique and a certain opportunity where a business broker helping you buy a business may be willing to lend you money. Okay. Mm, cool. And so I wrote this whole thing. It was like, you know, a couple thousand words and then it sat on the hard drive. And about two months ago, I was going through all oh. of these half started books that I've, that I've got on the go. And I said, you know what, this, this is one chapter uh, in a small business financing book, but it is uh, probably about 600 words away from being a special report on how to borrow money from business brokers. And I said, you know, I, it's time. So I finished it up, packaged it up, got a cover made, and I released it to the people on my email list. And, you know, dozens and dozens of people bought it and I got such great feedback. And I'm like, why did I make everyone wait a year? To, to get this, right? Well, because there's 18 other thousand distractions that get in your way and it just sits there as this, you know, a very good friend of mine, Carl White, painted this illustration for me years ago and has really changed my business. If you look at your company, like the illustration of a bridge to an island, mm. you know, the idea is you need to get to that island. The only way to get there is over this bridge. How many mostly built or half built bridges do you have? 
Yeah. That island. And in the island is sitting this pot of gold. In order to get that, you got to finish your bridge. And so he, his motto is, I only keep going until the bridge is finished. And then I'll worry about the next one. I'll worry about the next one. And I love that. I stop and did an assessment of my business. I'm like, holy cow, I've got thousands of half-built bridges to this island. And I need to stop that attitude. And I love the way you painted that. Like, you fixed that. That's really cool. All right. We're talking with David Barnett, howtosellmyownbusiness.com. David, what's, uh, what's the – someone's excited. They know how to go find you on their website. What's the first piece of advice you give to the business owner who says, hey, go do this first? I, even if they don't go get the 12 tips. They don't go do any of that stuff, which shame on you if you don't, audience. But if they don't do any of that, what's the first thing you say? Just go do this if you do nothing else. Yeah, it's normalize your income statement vis-a-vis okay. your own wages. So, and here's what I mean. I am constantly looking at financial statements where owners are paying themselves salaries that the business can afford, like 40 grand, 50 grand, 60 grand. And then I'll ask them, if you had to hire somebody, a professional manager to come in and do what you do, what would that cost? And they'll say the numbers to me like, oh, it would be 85 or 100 grand to hire somebody like that. Like, great. So I'll change it on the P&L. And all of a sudden, this money-making business becomes a money-losing business, right? Mm-hmm. You cannot fool yourself and lie to yourself by subsidizing a business with your labor. Your labor, your job every day as the manager of a business is worth a certain amount of money and that's determined not by you, it's determined by the market. There's right? our book, False Profits. It's you not, wrote a book about this. It's not even... the top line that pays you, right? You can't lie to yourself. If you don't put yourself in as an item with what the marketplace demands, you know, I can't tell you, I got so frustrated over this topic, David. I, I like literally, it's like two chapters in this book because it, it's, you got to pay yourself first. My grandfather said all the time, what well, your business is nothing if you're not making any money out of it. And gosh darn it. Like, I love that you're on that wall. Stay on that wall. Like, well, you know, it's funny because I, in one of my workshops, I spend a lot of time talking about terminology and words because words shape thoughts. Oh, right? yeah. And if you don't use the right words, you end up, transmitting the wrong idea. So, so I actually tell people that I have a very narrowly focused definition of what a business is. And so I'll say if somebody is working in a business and they're paying themselves less than what they would earn doing the same work out for another company for a stranger, right? they They don't actually have a business. What they have is a hobby, right? Because they're putting labor into something. Now the difference between these business owners who are fooling themselves and the guys who are playing with their model trains at night in the basement is that the guys with the train sets know they're putting time and money into something for pleasure. Whereas the business owners believe they're building something of value when in fact they've got a hobby because they're not earning. Yeah, and you'll you'll, you'll lie to yourself some more. You'll say things, I used to say this, I'm giving up, I'm foregoing profit for growth. Yeah. They'll say all kinds of garbage stuff, right? We're here with David Barnett. David, we're, we're nearing the end. This has been awesome. I know this. I'm going to go get that 12-tip uh, report because I only know of 10s. I can't wait to find out what these other two are. So I'm going to go find that. Uh, what's the last uh, little word you'd like to leave with everybody today? Uh, it's, it's just you have to separate yourself. No matter where you are in your, your business arc, you know, beginning, middle, or end, you always have to remember that the business is not you. It is an asset. It's like a little black box machine whose purpose is to produce cash flow. And if the machine is broken, you either have to fix it or, or throw it out and move on to the next one. You cannot 
let yourself believe that you, the business is somehow an extension of you or you are an extension of the business. I've seen far too many people have a successful business which started to fail and then what they do is they drain all of their resources into that business to try to make it succeed again. And not only do they lose the business at the end, but they end up losing you know, their personal wealth yeah. and then their own feelings of esteem and whatnot because they're so tied to this thing. Well, they peg their identity into their business. Yeah. Right? and they're, they're so you, Folks, your identity be, is not in your business. Your yeah. identity, I would say, is you're a child of God. You have value, right? It's built in so many ways. One of your current journeys is running this awesome business you have. Well, don't ride it up or down. It just is, right, David? Yeah. Yeah. And it's something outside of you and outside of you. it's got, it's got a job to do, which is to produce that cash flow. And if the cash flow is not there, you got to take action. I love it. David Barnett, you've been awesome today. Thanks for being on the show, man. Hey, thanks Vinny for having me. It's been a yeah, pleasure. Looking forward to it. So I was serious about my comment earlier that, you know, here at Fully Accountable, uh, the majority part of our business is to equip and grow accounting professionals into the trusted advisor. And so our people are always wanting to get more equipped with this idea of helping to give business valuation advice because they're the financial expert, right? Mm -hmm. So love to have you back again on the show. One, two, we do events like you and we do things that are online. So we'd love to have you as a guest around our trusted advisors if you're interested in that. I'd love to do that. Yeah. Cool. Online or live. All right, man. Out there. Awesome. Hey, David, thanks for being on the show today. All right. Have a great day. Bye.